Hey everyone, welcome to the very first episode of 2019 of the Music Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Neil Griffiths, of course, and I am stoked to have for the very first guest for the year, Mr. Craig David. Oh man, how are you, my friend? Good. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Sydney. Welcome to Australia. Thank you. It's lovely to be here, man. Uh, You've been here for what, a a week or so now? A week here, climatized now, um, and here with a full band for ready for some shows, so it's... It's been good, man. Once you get past the the, the jet lag, you're you're good to go here. I love it. I love it here in Australia. Yeah, actually, as we record this, you uh, you played in Sydney last night. Yes. I checked out the show. Holy shit! Do you enjoy it? Incredible, man! And it Thank was you. so so packed. Um, the last couple of times you've been here, and I know because I've been there, mm. you've done the TS Five thing. But you've yeah. come back this time with the full live band. Why? Why is that? Do you know what? We just wanted to switch it up because I mean, I think that. When I've, I used to DJ when I first started off. So before the first album, I was actually DJing with Technics 1210s and vinyl. And that was how I pretty much, that's all I knew really. And then next thing with the success of Born To Do It, a band was sort of put around me and created. And then all of a sudden it was like I was doing band shows and I was, then there was, I was doing acoustic performances. Um, so for me to reintroduce the, the DJ stuff has been amazing. Cause like when I do, I've got an Ibiza residency with the DJ stuff, the band show wouldn't work. I mean, I don't think people at a pool party would be like, oh, right, this, this band you've got in front of me. Yeah. Gonna... So it's just a different arm of, 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 the, of the armory. I guess. Mm. And so for, so for me to come back here and do a full band, which I know a lot of people have been like, oh, can you come with your band again? Because it's been a while. It's been good because the response has been like, oh, man, there's so many songs that we're trying to pick. Are they going to make it in the set? Because we've, we've only got a certain time we can do. Mm. But loving life is wicked. Yeah. Last year you were here for the R&B's Fridays tour and you did the TS5. Yes. And there was like Neo and Kelly Rowland. That's right. Is it an easy transition for you to to come here with TS5 and then come here with a live band and change it up like that? Yeah. I mean, they're kind of, they've got different dynamics. So like the, the TS5 DJ set, which kind of being honed in my apartment in Miami as an as a actual house party. Um, so I kind of, even though people were just partying, having drinks and having a good time, for me, I was like honing my skills again I was like I'm playing I'm seeing songs that don't really work and getting the mic settings right and I'm singing a couple of tunes and people are they liking it are they do they want me to pull back a bit and then I started to record those sets and then those sets ended up getting taken over and a couple of the UK radio stations started playing those sets so and that's how it sort of built out but the the live band stuff for me is like the difference really is just having to have a very in sync band if that's you've got that you're cool TS5 for me, I can do a playlist on the way into a show. I can mm. change it on a dime. That's the beauty of it. So I can feel like mm, the crowd aren't really, they want a bit more of an up-tempo thing here. I change up my set now. That's what I love with that. With a band that's rehearsed, you kind of, you can only, you only got a leeway of a couple of songs maybe that you've recorded outside of your set that you can introduce last minute, but it's rehearsed. And that's really the only difference, but they both have a very different dynamic, mm. I guess, in that sense. So tell me about TS5, because I know the, the, the basic story we know is that you had house parties in Miami. Yeah. And then just started to get behind the decks. Mm-mm. For starters, why were you in Miami? And yeah. two, why did you decide, you know what, I'm going to DJ these parties, guys? Okay, so I moved out to Miami. It must have been 2008. I'd seen this, this beautiful apartment. Um, I'd been staying in LA in, in, in the Mondrian Hotel. Um, and I was like, they were opening one in Miami and I just, I fell in love with it. I was just like, the view is beautiful. I thought if I could live here, record music and have this as my base, I'll take this and the weather every day of the week. Mm. Um, after a couple of years of just kind of being there and just being in the mix of Miami, I love it as a, as a place. I think it's like, there's so many things you can do for lifestyle wise. 
but also you got to find balance because it felt like for the first couple of years there, I was like, go to the clubs, let's go to get, get the drinks in, let's go out clubbing and partying. And then I was just got a little, it got a little bit played the whole <clears throat> being in a, in a club and there being a red rope and this, this elitist kind of attitude of, well, if you're not in the VIP, then you're not really as cool as us. Mm. But then also having a bit of like an epiphany of like, well, wait up, I'm, I'm, I'm being invited into the into the VIP. There's hardly any room. The drinks are spilling all over me. I can't move. But the, the guy will go outside of the red rope, having the best time of their life, hands out wide, really like living life on the, on the edge and be able to get to the bar real quick or get to the toilet. And I'm thinking, I've missed, the, I've missed this somehow. So I reined it back in and then ended up doing it in my home. And I think that for me, then I was able to give an experience that was like, there's no, there's no class system here. There's no VIP anyway. Everyone's VIP. Mm. Drinks are on tap. Food is on tap. Music is going. And then people never want to leave. They I mean, like, I imagine you can't just invite anyone to Craig David's house in Miami. You probably need to be a friend, right? Do you know what? It was, it's what it is. It started off with like six, seven friends just as a pre-gamer before we went out. Yeah. That's how it actually started. It was like literally playing music on off a playlist and having a couple shots get a couple vibes and then we go out to a club yeah then people were like oh can i invite a friend around so we can just sort of have a couple of drinks too cool so the pre-gamer started to build then i was like people start messing around with the playlist it would go for mano one minute you're playing 50 cent in the club and you've got a little vibe on or biggie like big papa and then it would sort of flip to macarena um, <laughs> yeah, and sure. you'll just be like guys man come on at least pick a pick a lane yeah give yeah. me a moment to adjust <laughs> i mean i was just getting i was on my wave and then all of a sudden you flipped it on me like that so i reined that back in got a little uh dj controller started ho- holding the music down myself then what happened, it started to build and people were like, can I invite my friends, invite my friends, start to become a bit more of a pre-gamer party. Then people were like, why don't you get on the mic? Come on, man. So I got the mic, start hosting. All of a sudden, come on, sing one of your tunes. Okay, cool. I'll sing one of my... And then that was the starting and birthplace of TS5. And TS5 is the name of my apartment. So it's all right, very okay, real. That's my next question, sure, yeah. Yeah, people texting, oh, what you, wait, I'm going around TS5 tonight. Yeah. I was like, well, if I'm going to do a show outside of this house party... Call it what it is. Yeah. Keep it real, yeah. Tell me if, I mean, this could be incorrect. Is it true that Will I Am was one of the people that said, you need to make this a show? Like, take it out of your house and take it to around the world? Do you know what? He, um, we we met on a, an MTV, uh, I think it was like, wow, what was the name of the show? VMAs? Not the VMAs, the old school show that they revamped again. Um, it's in New York. Carson Daly used to kind of present oh, it. Um, um, that's going to kill Unplugged? It's not Unplugged. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> anyway, it used to be the thing. Like, yeah. you used to go, that would be the show to go to, and they'd have all the fans downstairs in Times Square, and it would be looking up. Okay. TRL. TRL. That's the one. Total Thank Request you. Live. Now nah, <laughs> yeah. you know the drop. So they brought that back, and, I, and I'd seen where I am on there, and the Black Eyed Peas were, were, were on the same show as me. And he was just talking about, this was after TS5 started to kind of like take, be taken out of my home. But he was like, he's seen the birth of it because he's seen the, sh- the smaller shows. He knew about it in Miami when it was a house party. Mm. And I think some of the, the best things was when they, they, they were real and, they, and they, they're authentic. It wasn't like, oh, today I, I feel like I want to be a DJ and let's just try it out. I mean, we're going hensing back to when I was doing mixtapes going to my local barbers, selling them before I even released my first album. That's mm. how I was making money, buying my records, go out, do some DJing, MCing. And then to think like 15 years later, you throw a house party in Miami, which is like very different from Southampton where I grew up in the UK. And then you're having people rolling up, rolling through and you have Will I Am saying, yeah, I know about this. Like, 
I remember like Afrojack came to one of the house parties. He was literally standing behind me. I had so many shots that night. I didn't even know Afrojack was even behind me. It's just like he's there. <laughs> what are you doing in my house? Yeah, and then and they turn around, oh, Afrojack. And I was like, oh, man, this is cool. And I'm like, yeah, do you want to go back to back? And then I can't even remember really what, what went on because I had I was so wavy that night. Yeah. But fast forward two, three years later, he invited me to go and be on his his stage at uh, Tomorrowland. Mm. Um, and we reminisced on him being in my home and the TS5 party that I was actually doing. And it's just amazing when things are real and people are like, I remember when I came and it was just a house party. Mm. And then now we've done Glastonbury in front of like 100,000 people. And yeah. you think, wow, it's crazy what, what can go. It's crazy when you even think about that because, you know, just talking about back when, when you were earlier, I was, I think, 10 when Born to Do It came out. Right. Which is insane to me. It's amazing. Um, wow. That is, I mean, that's, I think, this, uh, was it NME or MTV said that was like one of the best R&B albums of all time. Crazy. Um, at the Sydney show last night, you played Rise and Fall, which you did with Sting. Mm. Um, and before you played that, you said that um, it was quite... Um, interesting about that song because that kind of set up the next chapter of your life yeah what did you mean when you said that do you know what it's like some songs like they end up predicting like the next journey you're about to go on the next chapter and and that song in particular i mean it, it couldn't have been any more to a t i mean come out the box with we're born to do it there was a huge rise you know you're traveling the world and you're doing arenas everywhere i can remember when i came to australia and we're like I think it was the Para, Parameta, Para, uh, Paramount uh, Theatre, Param- uh, Riverside, the, the mall. Oh, the mall, right, Westfield. Westfield. It, yeah. So about old school. When I first came out, shutting down the whole place like yeah. it was like some Justin Bieber situation yeah. going on. Like fans like trying to get up onto the stage <laughs> and them saying, "Listen, Craig can't come out if you're going to be like." Go-. It was pandemonium in the place. I must have been like 18 years old, wow. 17, 18 years old. Yeah. So to go for it to jump to that. But then also I'd, I'd felt the, the fall in the career. I'd felt that part where it was like, wow, the, the music doesn't seem to be connecting as much. And like, and I always take it on the chin because I'm always about like, well, it's the songs that, that do the talking. But I always had inside of me that I can write my way out of this. You know, there's always like, a th- you're always three minutes away from changing your life as a songwriter. That's why I do like the power of that. It's in me. Like if I am dedicated to this, a song will come. It may not come today. It may not come in three years time, but it will come at some point. And I think to have that that fall and experience it was very humbling and also just made me question as to what is it that I really want in life? Is it, do you really want to do this music thing? Or was it just like you were a teenager, you had a good run, let it be and move mm. on to a different thing? I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I want this. Hence, TS5 started to happen. Let me do a house party. Little mm. did I know that me doing something that I just was passionately... Uh, passionate about and just enjoying that moment of hosting a party for people would open up this whole new enthusiasm for writing new songs mm. and the next thing in the uk we we had like a viral moment with a song called 16 which is mm-hmm. a blend of where are you now from justin bieber and skrillex yeah. um and diplo and a fill me in and it, something sparked and people were like okay where do you where have you been because yeah. they're not following you every day they're, they're like yeah. six years could go past and they're like okay but you're in that six years every day mm, yeah you know what i mean yeah so when it came full circle i was just like i saw the sorry make the story very long but to the, the full circle was coming back on stage and being in sydney and any stage i'm on right now in 2019 and seeing that many people full of love full of excitement young teenagers and kids coming to the show as well as their older brother sister their mum and dad generations of people and i'm thinking the middle eight of Rise and Fall is almost the 2019 moment for mm. me. It's just, it's almost too verbatim, this song, lyrics, to me being like, give me one more chance. There was a, now I know I made mistakes. Um, 
and uh, you don't realize what this means to me um so let me have just one more chance i'm not the man i used to be and it's just like wow do you think that was a matter of you like taking those opportunities for <clears throat> granted though or is it because born to do it being so successful and so great almost hurt you in a way that because that was now the standard you, you, I mean, if you come out of the box strong, you got you have got yeah. Like if, if MJ's first album was Thriller, Mm-mm. he's in trouble. That's always. <laughs> do you know what it is? It's it's a funny one because it's like I think what what really happens from my my personal experience is that when I wrote Born to Do It, I had no expectations for it. I was just a young kid in Southampton, living in my two bedroom flat with my mum in my bedroom, buying loads of vinyls, enjoying life, wanting to write some songs. And I, and I was just excited to, to go to a studio because I'd met a guy called Mark Hill who had this collective called The Artful Dodger and he had a studio and I was writing top line melodies and he was doing music and then we were coming up with tunes like Rewind and I was like, man, I, this is a vibe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I come home after finishing the song, playing it at home, like this is, I don't know if anyone else is going <laughs> to like this, but this bass line is shaking this whole block of flats down. <laughs> yeah. That gave me such a great feeling. And I think for me, what had changed along the way is that as soon as you, be- you get into the music industry, and I put quote unquote industry, that you start to overthink things that you would never have done before. Before it was all fun, take your time, do it when you feel right, and it was just all flowing. And then you start to get restricted and constricted in your decisions and your second guessing things and what's playing on radio and where do I position myself? Do I need to do another song like I did before? Is that, you start it gets too overanalyzed. Mm. And then what happens is you, I think you overanalyze yourself and the songwriting then takes a hit mm. until you get that moment where you have, again, I guess an epiphany and some people don't have it where you have a moment you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go to Miami, enjoy myself, do yeah. something out here. I mean, that there was a six year gap between mm. uh, 2010 and 2016 when you released Following My Intuition. Was there a, a fear that, you know, this could, I'm going to come back a comeback of sorts and people are just going to turn away from this. Because then, you know, obviously the, the end of the story goes, you followed it up with the time is now two years later. Yeah. So the response was good. But yeah, was, was there an initial fear that, you know, this could go badly for me? No. And I'm, it's not one of those ones where like, oh, you're confident now because like things, but genuinely because I had the same feeling I had when I was making the first album. Mm. I had no expectations. I was like, well, it's it's been a bit cold now. It's been a bit quiet for now. So I, I, this is now my reality. So I'm ex- and if you embrace that reality and accept it, but look at it as an opportunity as a reset. Because my thing was that I it's when you hold on to the to the past and you and you for dear life and you're like, but I've sold 16 million albums and I've got like X amount of number ones and I've got these awards and I'm this. That's what is your uh, is your crux in your mm. in, in your in your life? It holds you back because as soon as you release that, you're you're fluid again. You're f- you're fresh. The sixteen year old kid is like, I don't know what you did back in the day. My old, older brother and sister played your tunes. That like, it was cool, but not relevant to me now. It's like a throwback. Mm. But if you can say, okay, I'm going to walk in the studio with an, a 17, 18 year old producer who's quote unquote the top boy right now, and I go in there as the humble first timer in here who hasn't sold one record and I've just got to prove it to you. That's the attitude I took. And I went in and they put the mic on in the booth and they play the record and I would sing my heart out like I did when I was 16, freestyling, ad-libbing, just trying to catch a vibe because I've got nothing else to lose. And then I hear the talkback button press and they'd be like, ooh, Craig, you still got it, you still got it. 
a couple of those still got it it's going from a few different producers yeah you then start to become relevant. All of a sudden, the, oh yeah, it was wicked. You, you, my older brother, sister used to play Rewind back in the day. It's wicked tune when they first meet you is, oh man, now we're, mm. you're relevant to me now. Mm. That's all you have to do. Let go of the baggage, man. It's like. What's, what's the key to that? Because, you know, you talk about yourself being a 16 year old, mm. going to a studio with no expectations. There are plenty of cautionary tales about people who are in that position, then blew up and yeah. then just essentially, for lack of a better word, became a dickhead. How do you how do you how do you kind of keep that attitude that you have to remain humble otherwise it will eat you up? I mean, I owe a lot to my parents. I think the way that they they raised me was always like like with good morals and just kind of never get never gas yourself up, never get too hyped. It's the hype. It's the you overinflate your ego, and that's what the ego loves to do. It's kind of a and not everybody gets it and it's not their fault it's just like you're just you're unaware that the ego is running your life it's like mm. i realized that all of this is hype it's like ultimately my my purpose for being here when you get it you're like wow it's such a bigger play than actually any of the stuff that you think is is to make music that positively impacts people hopefully inspires the young kid to want to go and make music it helps that person who's going through the breakup who just hears that song and it's like oh man life is okay or it motivates the person who's going for a run and they put your song on and they just want to go that's my play Hmm. not how many records you sell or what position you are that's ego and if you can get out of your own way which so many of the like spiritual books or help self-help books would say get out of your own way it's all cool. The 16-year-old kid was out of his own way. He was yeah. cool. Yeah. And I think that's the, the biggest thing for any artist who's had a long-term career is let go of the baggage, get out of your own way if you actually still want to do this. If you don't want to do this and you want to move into a different chapter, maybe it's you want to have a family and you want to write books and you want to just come out of the mix. That's cool too. But if you want the hunger for the music, you've got to change up the flow. You can't just be still... Or, or you may be a heritage artist and you accept that too. That's fine. You just keep playing your old tunes mm. and everyone loves you for that. You've got to pick your thing that just ignites you. Mm. That's a good segue because I was going to say, you kind of have a good grasp on, on R&B, on rap. You know, even the last few albums have kind of moved into dance a little bit. Mm. Do you have a particular lane that you want to stay in? Do you care? Are you happy to kind of change it up as you go along? I like, I like the mix up. Mm. Only because I think the, the first album... Born to Do It allowed me the freedom to flex like that. Like you had Rewind, which was very much a garage dance-based tune, but at the same time, then you had Film Me In, which was this hybrid of R&B and garage. But then there'd be like Walking Away, which is like a straight out pop song. Um, And then you'll have Seven Days, which is an R&B record. And then Follow Me, which is like one of those proper R&B ballads, you know. So I think there was such an array of different sounds on the album. It meant that all throughout my career, I could do things that people would say, okay, you've done a song like, I know, Nothing Like This with uh, Blonde, which is like a four to the floor dance tune, but it doesn't feel like foreign. It's like, okay, cool. Well, he did Rewind back in the day and he was on this dance thing. Yeah. If you want to go R&B, well, then we can, we can drop, or even I Know You, which is a bit of like a hybrid of the, the trap sound now that's going on. And, but one of those big sort of walking away-ish kind of choruses. Mm. So I think it's, that's good for me because I think, I do respect the fans and the fact that they, they, I evolve as an artist and they, they still do want that an essence of who you always were. So there's a fine line, I think sometimes, because you can evolve so much that it becomes too ahead of the game. And if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But just, I think if you can get toe the line properly, you can get the best of both worlds where you feel like you're not stuck in the time warp, but also you can also give people something that they are familiar with at the mm. same time. So. 
I mean, before you go, we have to ask. You've had two albums in the last two years. Mm. What's next? Are we doing another one? Another album for sure. I mean, I'd love to do as many albums as I possibly can. I mean, like, I I know that the the model has changed in terms of how people listen to albums. It's just different, and that's cool. Like, you you can either be old school in that, say, so, yeah, back in my day, we used to go and buy the record and take out the cellophane and like sit down and listen to it. And it was a whole like evening like experience. Yeah. yeah, went to the shop and it was brilliant. I was all excited. It's changed, but you have to move with the times. And I think that it's become a little bit more. Let's say people's appetite is a bit more fast food. Some of the old school or people who've experienced albums who, who are into like a, a body of work from an artist will appreciate the album. But the younger kid, the younger generation I'm noticing are like, they don't know really what the album thing was. So they're just like, well, give us loads of singles and then keep giving us loads of singles. And then if you bundle it together and that's, an, that's what you call an album, then uh, okay, I'll, I'll roll with that. So I'm cool with that. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, then let me just change my model of how I look at it. Yeah. Keep putting songs out. Okay, this is my album, but I'm just delivering it to you differently. And then we call it X yeah. with an umbrella over it. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's it. So, Do you think anything this year or next year? This year, man. We're going to... We, right. Music's flowing, man. We have to. Like, yeah. the, the time is different. Like, you, there's cycles where you go away for a while. Oh, I'll come back and it'll be cool. No, no, no. You got this. go, 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 go. If you if you're into it, and I'm, I'm so hyped. I feel like that 16 year old kid. Like I said, I'm ready to let music just go. Dude, it's so good to hear about that. And it's so good Thank to have you, you back. Thank, Thank you, you so much, by. man. Really uh, wicked podcast, man. I love your vibe. It's like I mean, this, right this is the first time I've done in the Sony studio, so I got to give it up to Adrian Breakspear, producer engineer. He's not even looking at anything. Nice man. He put, they've got it on <laughs> that. They've got good. it on this amazing desk, like from 1980s. Like Michael Jackson was doing this thing on it. They, I hear like it's going through like serious like desk over there so and the mics are set up oh, no. well look you can you can do this for the next hour if you like but you got to go unfortunately i know I, I, we could we could rock we could get the vocals up we could get the piano going in the background here we can actually record a tune <laughs> Dude, thank, thank you, you so much thank you brother i uh, will talk soon thanks mate